two years sober this past February. And I got to tell you, I saw you when you come in and I see it today in such a big change. I couldn't be more happy for you or proud of you. That's just awesome. Well, Knuckles, you, you are a big change part your life. because I would call you and you, and I'd be in, mm-hmm. in an even better mood than I am right now. And you're like, ah, pink cloud and whatever. Pink cloud. <laughs> <laughs> just hold you accountable. <laughs> and I would say, am I not allowed to be happy, Knuckles? Yeah, yeah fucking pink cloud. cloud. Pink, pink, pink cloud. <laughs> when I stepped on the ice, I never backed down, and I never stayed down. And I was vicious, and I was malicious, and I don't care. <laughs> I'm alive. He's a freaking madman. Look at him going to town. That'll be a suspension. There what up, boys? Oh, man. Can you uh, scream a little louder in that fucking microphone? <laughs> oh, is he grumpy today, Stapes? Yeah, Not man. at all. <laughs> he God damn it. G- he forgot the G. He forgot the G. <laughs> Look at him with the you knuckles know? gear on. Tim with the knuckles yeah, gear. Yeah, I'm with you, Danny. <laughs> Look at him. All is this right. an actual autograph? This is an actual autograph. Yeah, I signed that. Yeah. Fucking it's right. on a stamp, right? You know who taught me that? Who? Jean Beliveau. Oh, man. I, I could a... listen to stories. All I hear is he was the most perfect gentleman. Oh, he was unbelievable. And I did a um, skating thing with him, um, a promotion one day, and we were skating around and signing autographs. And afterwards, I said, God, you have the nicest penmanship. It's such a great autograph. And he said, I don't bother to write it if they can't read it. That's right. And meanwhile, I just got through scribbling fucking, I don't know how many autographs, right? I I would go real fast and not pay attention. And ever since then, I did. And then I I looked at all the old Canadians, Rocket, Henry Rashad, Lafleur, Larry, all of them. They had the best signature and boom. Makes sense. Yeah, right? Anyway, Danny Boy, welcome uh, to the Raw Knuckles Podcast. Awesome to have you. I've been waiting for this one. Uh, I know you're a busy guy. It's hard Not to really. Ta- you know, yeah, yeah, you are. I'm not you freaking are. busy. You're always you're running in, somewhere. Basement. You're in your basement. Yeah, right? that's right. No, and it's, just- it's a mice-free basement because last night I'm lying in bed and I hear a cat growling. And I'm like, what the hell? Cat's got a damn mouse in its mouth sitting beside my bed. And I believe it originated in this basement. So it's a mouse-free basement now. So just for clarification here, it's your basement, not your mother's. Correct. This is my okay. own basement. Good. Yes, my, Good. I paid for it with my own money, and I have my own mortgage. <laughs> Good for you. All right. Mortgage listen. rates. Can we talk about yeah. that? <laughs> no, no. Take, button it up. Oh, uh, we, don't, we don't want negativity on a, here, a, right? <laughs> a little too negative when we talk about mortgage rates. Can we talk about um, Stapes? I miss this guy. Yeah, let's talk about something positive. <laughs> okay. All right, guys. <laughs> and there's silence. Miss- and there's silence. <laughs> right, do- like, no, everyone's just like, all right, next question. All right, you guys, do, do the show. <laughs> <laughs> I know Sorry, what you're doing, both. O'Toole. I'm just excited to see both of you guys. You guys both yeah. bring smiles to my face. Oh, you have as full of shit as a Christmas turkey. You know it. Um, you know it, Knuckles. As soon as I see your uh, you on the phone, I light up. 
Yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad you do. And the kids and... love for me to put you on speaker because they're like, is that Knuckles? Because they love the yeah. accent. Pack the car I tr- I, yeah, I try yeah. to get him to say cat at some point cat. during the conversation. Are you in the cat? Yeah. In the cat. <laughs> Pack the car. Uh, Have you ever pizza. driven in a car with Knuckles tapes? No, no, I haven't. It's an experience. Oh, what yeah? the hell? What? What? The, the night me, you and Jay went to dinner. What was wrong with? That? I drove fine. Okay. Yeah, what is he? Fuck. Let, let me paint the picture. Imagine paint someone's it. driving through downtown Montreal, and they're using a map, which is totally fine. But they're using the map, and it's on their knee. And when they come to an intersection. They disregard that the map is open, stop in the middle of an intersection and decide whether they're going to go or not. And then we say, Knuckles, you can't just stop in the middle of an intersection. He goes, what are they going to do? And I'm like, I guess you're right. If you're Knuckles in downtown Montreal, what are they going to do? Nothing. Hey, did you get to the restaurant on time? He's like pitching about one uh, piece. Yes. someone texting and driving. He's like, look at this asshole texting. <laughs> and then... And you got home in one piece? Yes, it was a great dinner. Okay. We went to a pita cuchon, uh, had a, a great meal. It was great. All right. So, Danny Boy. Yeah. I watched you on TV for years. I know. You would send us was, messages. Before I was able to meet you, though. Before I ever met you. I didn't know you. Uh, I thought you had a great gig going. But before we get into the Jay and Dan thing. hmm I really would love to hear a little bit about, you grew up in Peterborough, you know, played hockey, you were a goalie, fucking stupid to begin with, right there, being a goalie. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what, was your dream, like most Canadian kids, to play in the NHL one day? Well, you know my stature. And I am not just pandering to the crowd. What I would do on Hockey Night in Canada, because we'd get Habs games on Checks TV in Peterborough. I would put the game on mute and I'd do the play-by-play. And I have old books of the shots and everything and the goals. And Knuckles, you are in my handwritten notes from when I'm like a 8, 9, 10-year-old. And you scored a goal one of these games. And now we're friends. How amazing is that? I'd call the game off the TV and then we became friends later in life. So if you had told that eight, nine, ten-year-old what would happen later in life, uh, my mind would have been blown. My mind's still blown, but that's what I'd do. I'd put the games on mute. I'd do play-by-play, and I'd also have all the little wrestlers, um, the the WWF wrestlers, and I would call the matches on a tape recorder there as well. So and practice that. So you didn't want to play hockey. You wanted to? Of course, what, I wanted what? to, but I. I filled up uh, a quarter of the net. Now, what what <laughs> what made you want to do that? What something in this eight year old kid? You must have saw something on TV. Something. What made you want to go into that line? It of must have been so the excitement. That when you're a kid. I I believe what really hooked me to sports was again. I'm not pandering to the crowd. Was the Montreal Forum when you played there, and Mats Naslund would get the pocket your own blue line and the place would erupt. I'm like, this, this is what sports is all about. The excitement, uh, the call of the game by Dick Irvin and Bob Cole. I was just transfixed by that. And I think I just got caught up in, in wanting to be a part of that atmosphere. 
knowing I couldn't be an athlete, that I wanted to be a part of the sports landscape, however, however I could make that work. And then I discovered I really wanted to do it when in high school I did a co-op program. It's where you uh, you go into the school and you figure out, hey, do you want to be a teacher? Do you want to be a mechanic? And I did it at a radio station, and I'm like, this is not real work. I want to do this. And that's when I really wanted to do it when I figured out it didn't feel like a real job. Because I'm a lazy who's, person. Who's some of your favorite play-by-play? Bob guys. Cole, number one. Bob Cole, hands down, is my favorite of all time. Um, Chris Cuthbert is the best modern day. And the guy who calls Edmonton Oilers games. Oh, I love that guy. He, he is so good. It. He gets into it. Yeah. He is so good that no <laughs> yeah. one really hears him because he's not on Hockey Night in Canada. He's just on the Oilers broadcast. But I believe he is currently the best um calling games but if if you're looking for a guy who calls football and baseball uh joe davis the la dodgers uh heir apparent to vin scully he took over for him and i worked with him at fox at that time he was like 24 now he's like 32 and he calls um the world series and he calls all baseball games on fox and he calls football as well on fox he is phenomenal he is going what to about, be one of the greatest of all time. What about Danny Galvin? Yes, Danny Galvin. He called. Like, the, I love Danny Galvin. Like, I didn't he, hear enough of him because I kind of came in. At he the was end. radio, right? He was radio. And, and he then called TV. the 87 Canada Cup, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. His calls on that are amazing. But I don't know enough of Danny Galvin to put him up there. But whatever Maritime, I've heard is amazing. Uh, he, was, he was awesome. I love Danny Galvin. I always saw him around the, the building. Uh, when I was with the Habs. And there's another great Maritimer right now. He's doing Winnipeg, and uh, Stapes met him when he was out there, Dan Robertson. He did the radio for years um, in Halifax for the junior team there. Um, and then he took the job here for TSN radio in Montreal and did that for, I don't know, about seven years. And then he just got hired this year by Winnipeg for their TV broadcast. And he's got a booming, incredible voice. That year in the playoffs, the Habs a couple of years ago went to mm-hmm. the final. He had some just incredible calls. Like How about they, Kurt uh, Kielbeck? He used to call Jets games. Do you guys remember him? No. And no. then he went and called Coyotes games. If you look back at some of his work, I don't know how he got pushed out, but he would stop mid-sentence um, and just say ridiculously amazing things but Kirk Keelbeck is also in my my top five he's, he's like the he's Boston like, Bruins guy that guy's really that's oh, Jack, Jack Edwards, Edwards now. Idiot. he's <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's not, yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's what oh, they would man. do uh so going back to Peter Rowe and the Peter Rowe Pete's there was a person that would bring a donkey to the game and it was dressed as a, a referee. So whenever there was a call against hee-haw. the Pete's, they'd yell, hee-haw, hee-haw. <laughs> and it was the greatest highlight of every game. You're like, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. So enough about all these other guys. Although one last one, Vin Scully's going to yeah. be the all-time best ever, ever, yes. ever, ever. Yes. Vin Scully, incredible. So, Amazing. So I had a to little throw Pat a- Foley. Do you know Pat Foley? Oh, yeah, Pat Foley's yeah, awesome. I had to throw him out there. Yeah, Pat Foley, Pat Foley who's he Chicago. with? He was Chicago. a Blackhawks okay. for a long time. Yeah. So eight-year-old Dan picking his nose, you know, doing his little broadcast at home. And because of um, Steve Penny. Steve Penny got me hooked as well. Steve Penny stood on yeah. his head that one series against Boston. Penny's from heaven. Yeah. 
Did you ever hear the the thing when Steve Penny played in the minors? He faced off against um, was it Steve Nickel or something Nickel, and they said a penny is worth more than a nickel. That was the slogan, <laughs> right? I love it. They had I the sign. It. I, I forget the other goalie's name, but his last name was Nickel. Anyway, and then Wah took so, over for Penny. Yeah, yeah, Wawa, Patty Wawa. So you're um, you grew up in a farm. So you, a farm. You know, you grew up in a farm, right? In yeah. rural Peterborough, outside yeah. of Peterborough. You, you practice your your trade. Um, now you went off to school. Mm-hmm. And and your first job was out west, was it in Vancouver? You did your somewhere? research very well. I was an airborne traffic yeah. reporter. I flew around the yeah, city in a four-seater. It was a little plane, not in a helicopter. It was a it was a little Cessna. So I would do so the this, morning and like afternoon drives. Pardon this me. Was like your, was this like considered like you go grinding the miners out right now? Exactly. American How I compare broadcasting. I compare <laughs> no, broadcasting. He was in the East Coast League. He was in the East Coast <laughs> exactly. League doing that. But I could actually compare broadcasting to flying a jumbo jet. You got to small fly the small planes until you can get to the big plane. You got to put in your hours. And I that's what literally you do in broadcasting. You, you do the small jobs and then you move up to the next one, then the next one, then finally you get to fly the jumbo jet. So yeah, my first job was flying around in a little Cessna plane and my name on the radio wasn't even my own name. It was Captain D. <laughs> I was Captain okay. D with the traffic. Captain D. Captain D oh. in the four-seater. Thank God you survived that. The you door know, would open, it, you know, the door would open during flights, but once you're so used to it, you know, you're not going to fly out. So it was just a common occurrence that I got used to, which is kind of odd when you think about a plane door opening mid flight. So you're doing the four seater deal. That was back in 97 and then, uh, 98, you end up going up to, uh, Fort McMurray where you took a job as sports director for CJ OK FM and CK DJX FM DJing, right? For three years you're there. And you also call play by play for the Fort McMurray Oil Barons. Now that's right. Scotty Upshaw was on uh, that team. They won the Royal Bank Cup in 2000 when they hosted it. It was uh it was phenomenal. It was a great experience. Got to go down to the draft when Scotty was drafted. That was in 2000. So he was drafted in the first round, like in the top 10. Wasn't he drafted like third or fourth? I don't know, but he and Chris Phillips also played uh, is from Fort McMurray. So a lot of uh, great hockey history in that town and living in an oil town is quite an experience because you're the lowest paid person wherever you go, because, you know, like pipe fitters that are 18 years old, making 150,000 in 1998. And uh, that's well, that's yeah. still a lot of money right now. But in those days, that's that was in like, Fort McMurray. Yeah. So it was a great experience. That's where I continued to build my hours towards flying the jumbo jet. So you you build it, and you get closer to that um, jumbo jet as you uh, move to Edmonton and uh, begin working at CTB. Where no, you were a news correction. No, no, no. I was the. It was called the Stringer Reporter. So they would have a five minute segment on the CTV. But news it was in news. It was news, right? Yeah, it wasn't. But sports. I was still in okay. Fort McMurray. So oh, okay. I got a job okay. doing my own stories for a five minute segment and I get paid a 
I think it was $85 a story. But if I was on camera, I'd get paid like 125. So I would just, I would do stories on car washes. I would do stories (laughs) on like snow clearing. Cats eating mice. Yeah, exa- yeah, I would have done a story mice. on that. I said, there's a big <laughs> yeah. mice problem. I yeah. uh, found this evidence <laughs> yeah. here. But uh, yeah, I uh, had my own station vehicle. So I was working two jobs. I was working at the radio station and doing and doing news. Um, so it was uh, I was I was rich with two jobs. Yeah. OK, OK. <laughs> so you loaded. Amazing. And, um, <laughs> By the way, I was making $2,000 a month at the radio station, <laughs> yeah, and I was the highest paid person at the radio station. 2000 a month, and they, they considered me rich. They're like, you make a lot of money, yeah, everyone else at the radio station. And how do you end up getting hooked up with Jay Onright? How does this all happen? So you, okay. you apply in your trade, you get going, things are great, and doing some meaningless stories and making money doing that. How do you get hooked up with Jay Onright and have one of – the most popular shows in North America. We won't count the states, but you were popular in Canada, no question. So it's like, all because I did that news gig with CTV. I was able to get an audition tape put together because of all these stories I was part of. And I sent it to a news director at uh, CKVU in Vancouver. They were global news, and then they were switching as an independent and then soon to switch to city TV. So in a two month period, they were an independent and they were looking for new people. So I sent them a tape knowing this was going to happen. The guy said, get the, the, the news director was George Froelich. He said, get a year's experience and we'll hire you. So I, I got a year's experience. He called me a year to the day. He said, did you get the experience? I said, yep. He goes, (laughs) you're hired. So I got hired to do sports in Vancouver. So I, that was my first on-air job doing sports, uh, reporting on the Canucks. I was actually in Vancouver showing up at uh, Canucks training camp when uh, 9-11 happened. Like, I watched it as I was going out the door at my brother's house, and I'm like, do I even show up? And then uh, we showed up, and they canceled everything the rest of the day. But uh, that's the time frame in which I was in Vancouver. So it, it, was, a, it was a neat experience. Walk, that was when I first walked into my first NHL room. So I wonder, you, you guys walked probably in had the with your same little box. Feeling. Did you have your little, my box little recorder? Like, oh, yeah. So I was like, I made Checker? it. Were you a Pekka checker? Yeah, is that, he did his interviews out of just was right, he out a of the Pekka shower, right out of the shower. He's just, yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, what are you like doing the, in here? He's hey, handing you... towels out, asking questions. Hey, exactly. <laughs> hey um, by the way, uh, good game last night. <laughs> yeah. So um, when I first walked into this carpeted room, I'd never seen anything like it. I'm like, I finally made it. I'm reporting on an NHL team. And that was the days of Todd Bertuzzi and Ed Jovanovsky was there and Brent Sopel and I'm like, this is uh, Matt's Nasland, not Matt's mm-hmm. Nasland, uh, no, Marcus, Marcus. Nasland. Marcus, really nice dude. Um, uh, Marcus. Yeah. So uh, they actually got one of his jerseys as a going away present from my station. They gave me a Marcus Nasland signed jersey as a going away present. I still have it. So right, have you always been going- this like energetic? Like, is this always been from day one? Like your energy and because it, it's awesome. But well, I guess when I'm talking, when I'm doing my thing, like if I'm sitting on the couch, I'm not like this. 
Yeah, <laughs> he's not kind. God, whoever the partner would be would be it'd be tough to deal with. I guess. But I do. You. If like the, watching the Honda, <laughs> the Honda Classic on the weekend, I was jumping up and down, yeah. watching putts and stuff. If there's like a big moment in a NASCAR race, I'm jumping off the couch. I'm always recording stuff off the TV. You're I get me you it. get off on putts. Come on. Yeah. Hey, I like when they sink. I like drama yeah. in golf you're like you're the guy when they tee off you're like get it in the hole like that. no <laughs> no i'm not stapes come on he'd be perfect for arizona right for the waste yeah, management yeah. i've been that there pod three right i've been I'm there sure. were you on that hole we're 16 oh yeah um, how many big how many beers did you throw in the green oh knuckles i probably well i <laughs> if i had thrown the beer then i'd be like yeah. well that's wasted i would have drank it yeah 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 they were <laughs> well, gone by true. the time what are you <laughs> talking about you see now, a lot of people fighting gravity at that tournament have you seen the videos I, yeah, I've been yeah there. it's crazy they're like walking sideways it's crazy <laughs> yeah like in an easter bunny outfit it's, it's so nuts. here i i'm gonna go back to my cgok days so the first time we went to that tournament I'm like, uh, I was still friends with the the boss that I had at CGOK in Fort McMurray. And I said, hey, me and some friends are going on a golf trip and we want to go to this tournament and we want to get media passes. We're going to use the name of the station. So if they call you, just say, yeah, they're here to cover it. He's like, no problem. We got 12 media passes under CGOK. That was in 2002. They used my my friend, my my brother and his friends used that CGOK call for the next 10 years at that tournament. They never once brought gear. They, they never brought the, a microphone the date or anything. No, the, no. They would call and say, yep, uh, here was CJOK again. Uh, and finally, in the, the 11th year, they're like. Do you guys have a link to the show you've done from here or anything? Do you guys have like any evidence? And that's when the, the jig was up. So the, for 10 years, they used CJOK radio passes to get into the waste management open for free. Okay. So, you know, like 10 minutes ago, I asked, how'd you get hooked up with Jay on right? Well, we're and now we're to in that. Arizona for journey. Christ's sake. Uh, okay. A long so journey. He likes golf. Okay. Hey, so listen, I was, I was, I hate, to- I hate driving around the city, you know, on them them perimeter roads. I like going right through the city. Okay, here's what happened. So let's I go was working the city on, on TV in Vancouver <laughs> when one day I see my little uh, my little light on my phone flashing. So I'm like, okay, I've got a message. I dial it in, get my message, and it says, "Dan, this is Mark Millier from TSN. Um, I have a." I want to talk to you about a potential employment. Call me back. So I'm looking around. I've been at the job. I've been on TV for nine months and I'm like, okay, someone's playing a prank on me. No one's playing a prank called the number. And then can I uh, proceeded to have negotiations in which they, in hindsight, probably thought I was a brilliant negotiator because I turned them down four times. I was doing the six o'clock sports. I was living in uh, Granville Island. I was dating Miss Molson Indy. So I'm like, life is amazing. Why would I ever leave this? And finally, they got uh, James Duffy to call me. He's like, Dan, I totally get it. I lived out in Vancouver, but make sure you, you come to TSN because, uh, yeah, it'll be worth it. They call, got Blake Price, who moved from Vancouver to Toronto to call me. And finally, I succumbed and, uh, and made the move from Vancouver to Toronto. And that was in 2002. And then the strike happened in what? So I was doing weekend sports on TSN, and then the strike happened in 2004, I think. You were doing yeah. it alone. Yeah. 
I was doing it with uh, different partners. I was with Lisa Hillary. I was with um, Holly Horton. Um, I forget who I was with, but I was paired with different people. And then when the strike happened, Blake was moving back to Vancouver. He was paired with Darren Detition on the 10 o'clock show. Jennifer Hedger with, was with Jay on the 11 o'clock. And uh, with Blake moving back, Jennifer got moved up with Dutchie. And they said, Dan, when the strike is over, you're going to be paired with Jay. You're off weekends and you're going to be paired with Onright. And that's when that happened in 2004. So long story short, that's how we got paired together. So you get paired together, you two, you and Jay. And how long does it take you to guys really? Because you had a that on air chemistry that was just incredible. Like the two of you just had it going on big time. I mean, so good that you got offered a job in the States later, but we'll get there at one point. But did it click right away? Did you work on it? Did you talk about it? Geez, how are we going to attack this? And sure, you got to prep for shows, but the chemistry between you two is incredible. First show. Incredible. The first show, we finish it, and uh, we're about to leave the desk. And um, the the late show that we did with the 11 o'clock Pacific, would be showed on a loop. So we're about to leave the desk and they're like, uh, since this, uh, Jay says, since this show's going to loop, should maybe he say my name, right? Cause I said, Jay on rate. The on first rate. time, the on first rate. time we got paired together, I said his name wrong. So that was a great start. And what we really bonded over. And I bring this up quite often are two of our favorite comics knuckles. You a hundred percent have never heard of them. Tim and Eric, probably <laughs> Tim and Eric, Tim they had a show Eric. called Tim and Eric. Awesome show. Great job. And when that show came out, we would sit around and watch that. And that was our first real bonding experience that we liked absurd humor. And then it kind of went from there. And one of the greatest pieces of broadcasting advice Jay gave me was when our first like few months of shows, he said a joke or something. And then I said a throwaway line like, yeah, he'd like to have that one back or something. So we went to commercial and he said, if it's not funny, just don't say anything. And I'm like, you're right. And that's the problem with a lot of young broadcasters or even age broadcasters. They hate dead air. Yeah. Let it breathe. If someone says a joke, let it breathe. You don't have to add more words in and that's bah, where and start laughing like yes crazy. just silence is best 98 percent of the time silence is best and that was a another great bonding experience so tim and eric in that one piece of advice and um that's what really we bonded over and you we just it? we got to do a show in which we tried to make each other laugh and a show in which we would go home and want to watch it we didn't want to do a boring sports show we get so many people just give us the scores and we'd say well you can get the scores anywhere go get them if you want the scores go watch another show so um yeah I, we did a show in which we made comments that you and your buddies would make on the couch watching it and that's exactly how we we approached it silence is best and you think that's a video thing though like a you know because you can't do that like on the podcast that sound. Correct. Or, yes. Or on a radio show. Yeah, 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 mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Yeah. But no, also if someone says a joke, let it let it land. No need to one up them. 
<laughs> and that's the other thing. We, we didn't try to one-up each other. Like, it's not a joke-off. Mm-hmm. I was the, the setup man, and Jay's the, the cleanup hitter. And uh, by the end of our run, we could finish each other's sentences. I would see a highlight pack, and I'd know exactly what I was going to say, and i know know where he would take it. So it was, we were better synced than a married couple by the end of it. Like even now we'll go to a dinner and he'll start telling a story. I know where to jump in in the story. And it's just, it's just yeah, amazing. It was symmetry. That's, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. You guys had it going on big time. Um, and if, and people always ask, they're like, Oh, are you guys still friends? Yes. We we're texting last no, night. No, you hate each other. Yeah. You hate yeah. each other. Yeah. We never, we never were friends. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Some people do get a, do have know, that though. Right? You guys probably uh, experienced that. Yeah. Two great teammates that they, they yeah. seem buddy buddy yep. and they hate each other off the ice. Yeah. Well, we, Nux and I love each other. There's only love on this show, you know? Yeah. We, we, I loved him. Look at him wearing my hat, Raw Knuckles. Yeah. He got my Knuckles hat on. You got my. I love you guys too. This is, uh, by the way, enough. these are quality sweaters. Aren't they? Yeah. I get a lot of the compliments hats. on this. And they are comfortable, warm. Shop, they are shop. This is I've <laughs> washed it so much it's shrinking a little. I might need a new one, Nux. Yeah, well, keep your eyes open because we're gonna come up with some new ones. We're thinking of some different sayings like backhand peanut butter, drop them. What's the deal? You should have one what would says, Knuckles here's do? Here's, here's the deal. The deal. Here's, the deal. <laughs> here's the deal. What, what would Knuckles do? Uh, we're thinking of some things. Jamie is that she loves doing that stuff. So I, I a little inside that. baseball here, but our uh, our mutual friend Sully, I want him to get a shirt that just says "Sure." I'll be talking to <laughs> sure. him. He say something. He goes no. "Sure" in a Boston no, accent. No, 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 no. What's your name, dummy? <laughs> <laughs> What's your name, dummy? <laughs> I do like that on a shirt. What's your name, yeah. dummy? I know. <laughs> What's your name, dummy? That's a good uh, one. We, I think I'm going to make that one. I'm gonna, yeah. Can you say, Knuckles, can you them. say sure in a Boston accent? Sure. Yeah, say sure. 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 Yeah. Sure. Sure. Wow. Down yeah. by the shore, by yeah. the beach. <laughs> sure. She said, hey, Knuckles, can you say sure? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, that's like how I say sure. That's sure, it. it's not See, sure. If I it's say my sure. R's. I sound like shirt. a total fucking dipshit. Like, <laughs> oh, you can't car, park <laughs> your car in Harbor <laughs> Yard. I sound like a fucking dope. Octagon uh, Harvard Yard. Where's Harvard Yard? Is that Boston? It's in Cambridge, actually, over where across the river, Charles River. And, hey, pronounce yeah. river with the R's. River. Oh, no nope. river, river, river. <laughs> like I, I, I don't get Wahlberg, but you know Wahlberg had the consummate Boston accent, and Mark going out to Hollywood doing all these movies. They, like they have a, you know, voice articulation classes where you go and you learn how to, you know, Speak pronounce. English. Yeah, Speak yeah, English. yeah. And I, I for some. I, maybe I could do it. I think maybe I could if I had someone coaching. No, me on I don't. It, I, That's I what makes you not like a fucking <laughs> yeah, oddball. Yeah. I'd feel weird. Like I yeah. feel not okay. me. Two things. Wahlberg, did you see the mansion he just sold? And speaking of accents, why do Swedish players in the NHL lose their accents the quickest? They go from 
full accent to you wouldn't even know they're not from North America. I don't know what no. it is about yeah, that. Yeah, especially Swedes. when they drink. Scandinavians. Mats Natslund. Mats Natslund didn't lose his accent. <laughs> he used to come in every morning and say, Knuckles, you're fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what you did last night is crazy, but thank you. That was him at 12, the three stars, as picked by Red Fisher of the Gazette. The, 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 the third star, Mats Natslund. <laughs> <laughs> That was my favorite. Announced they, that's when they used to show the three stars. All picked oh, by yeah, Red Fisher. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Red what was Fisher. Red Fisher yeah. like, Knuckles? Red was a prick. <laughs> <laughs> Next question. Yeah, yeah. Let me let me tell you. And I became very good friends with him. I was there, you know, the last week of his life. Uh, I went to visit him. And only, uh, believe me, Red used to do this. Now, Red, you know. He he was a great hockey writer, and you would come in the locker room. Here's my experience with him. I got called up. I came in the, the locker room, and I'd be seeing this guy come in every day, and all these reporters come and talk to you. And this guy never came and talked to me when I was a rookie, not once. So, f like, I don't know, after I'm there a month, I said to Bob Ganey, sitting next to me, I said, Bob, who's that guy over there? <laughs> He said, oh, that's Red Fisher. He doesn't talk to rookies. So I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> so I, I, someone hit LaFleur, Alan Hanks Laban, Washington. I went after him and I thrashed him. The next day in the paper, Red writes an article. It says, the Canadians don't need a guy like Chris Nyland. So me being young, naive, not knowing what's going on, I'm thinking, fuck, they're going to get rid of me. You know, they're going to get rid of me. The following day, Rocket Rashad writes in the competing English newspaper, Rocket Nylon is just what the Habs need. <laughs> and I was like, well, now I'm like, whoa, the rocket of all, right? <laughs> so anyway, Red, after, into my second year, um, finally comes up and starts talking to me. And took him like, a year and a half. No, he will not talk to rookies. Never talked to him. I remember Mark Hunter came in. Hunts came in. He, he said to me, Knox, who's that fucking guy over there? I said, that's Red Fisher. He don't talk to rookies. He said, oh, fuck him. What the fuck? <laughs> but Red did that because that's exactly what he wanted rookies to do. Say, who is that guy? And so Red and I became So say Red Fisher is still friends. around and Connor Bedard is playing for the Montreal Canadiens. He doesn't talk to him. He would not yeah. fucking oh, talk fuck to him. Off. He didn't talk to Guy Lafleur when he came in. Oh, my God. Okay. I'm telling you, for one year, he would not talk to rookies. Ask anybody. So Patrick Waugh in his standout rookie he season. He did not talk to, to Patrick Waugh. Oh, my God. Jeez. Uh, yeah. That's acid. So, yeah, it was like they, they got to pay their dues. But the big thing was... You're going to know who Red Fisher was. And he did that. And um, Red, we became really, like, real good friends. Mark Hunter, one night, we're in Edmonton. We get in late. We're going to the hotel. And we get in, like, 3 in the morning. The plane was late. Everything snow, blah, blah, blah. So we get to the hotel. And Red gets, and he tries to get in front of the players to get his key to go to the room. 
And, my, and now he has big red fucking ego like this. I'm the best. And Hunts goes, hey, wait a minute. Fucking the players are first. Fucking reporters are fucking get your thing last. Well, fucking red looked at him. They fuck. If, if, I'm telling you, he, he wanted to kill him. And Hunts, it was so funny. The boys were howling. So red's like all taken aback. And the two of them, they don't say a fucking word for the rest of the year but they didn't never talk <laughs> so we end up going up um uh, out to we're in la and we end up going to zoo one day the uh, san diego san diego zoo we're all gonna go red's gonna go so we get on the fucking bus and there's only one seat left hunts is there and there's an empty seat and red gets on he's looking at the seat right and it's like a fucking i don't know 45 minute drive and he did not want to sit there and everybody's like, come on, Red, fucking sit down with him, sit down. So that was the day they kind of made peace. But it was, Red was like that, fucking hilarious, hilarious. But anyway, um, yeah, a lot of guys didn't like him because, you know, he was like that. But I knew how well, to pick him. Well, it makes sense. I, I'd, have a, I'd have a no, bone I, to pick well, with the guy if he'd ever interviewed For sure. Yeah. It's like a hard ass he reporter. Was, yeah. like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, he was like, he, you know, he was like up here, you know. That's the way Red was. But anyway, so forget this about way, I wanted, I we we mentioned Patrick Waugh there again. I just wanted to one of the the biggest memories or the fondest memories I have of Patrick Waugh. You guys might remember the game in which he returned from suspension. I don't know why he was suspended. And he stopped the puck where he dove back and and stopped it midair with the paddle of his stick. Do you remember that yeah, save? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I do. And you, Stapes, you asked about if I'm always this excitable. I was watching that home alone. My parents were at a dinner party. This is before cell phones. I found the number of the place they were at the dinner party and called them to tell them about the save. <laughs> That's a little extreme. <laughs> but I'm like, I got to share this news hey, with someone. Hey, I'm like, did see the save? They're like, we're at dinner. The greatest save. <laughs> and I can only imagine them like, yeah, yeah, he did what? Oh, yeah. that's 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 fascinating. Okay. Could you told us when we got home? Yeah. Do you take your meds? <laughs> like, take your meds. <laughs> yeah, so. take your medication. Go to the top shelf of the cupboard, and there's a pill bottle. Just take all of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, three. Oh, three to 2013. You guys are it in in sports reporting in Canada. Uh, had a great show, awesome show. Mm -hmm. And then, and then, 2013, you guys pick up and leave fucking old Canada. You know why? And and like, well, I I won't. Uh, I'll speculate that, or I'll take a guess that. You got an offer that you could more refuse. money than TSN. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, no, but you know, but was it a contract squabble? Oh no! As I no? tell people, they're like, "Well, why'd you go there?" I'm like, "Have you ever heard the sound of a dump truck backing up? Beep, beep." Now imagine that dump truck's full of money, and then people are like, "You're such a yeah. sellout." And I wish I could tell them the contract difference. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. "No one in their right mind would say no to it." But the reason Fox us? found us was because Can you the tell Wall us? Pardon me? Tell us. Tell us. It was, we it was more know. than a dollar, less than a million. Dan, you'd go to the fucking live 999,000 you got? Would I go to the live tour? Hell you yes. Were, yeah, yeah, you would right? go to the live tour. The yeah, 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 yeah. 100%. They should. Back, 
we're getting off track here. But so what was the offer? No, we're not. We're right on track. What Just wait. Was the the offer? Live Tour should have <laughs> an average golfer play each event. And if they beat one golfer, they should get a million dollars. If they beat one person on the Live Tour that weekend, they should get a million dollars. I would watch. Okay. So the, the Fox found us because the Wall Street Journal, they have a reporter in Toronto. And he wrote an article on why can't American Sports Center be like Canadian Sports Center? And they wrote the article about us. One of the Fox executives saw that article and called us. We were actually at the London Olympics, the 20, that was what, 2012? The 2012 Olympics. And um, we get a call from Fox and we start the negotiations. Then the negotiations went off for about six months because they were like, okay, we want you guys. Then it went to, no, we went a different direction. And then it was back on. So yeah, we, uh, we so made how many years LA. did they give you four years? They gave you a four year deal. Yep. Good negotiating there. You're going to mm -hmm. make that move. You probably should have got five, but, um, bad agent. And, and, and what kind of dough? Come on. What kind of dough was it? Uh, come on. I'm not telling you what kind of dough. <laughs> Why not? Why not? It's done. It's over. It's in the fucking past. Come on. I made the, the most I ever made in the NHL was like 300 fucking thousand dollars. Okay. It was okay? more than that. Yeah. Yeah. 20 goal season and 300. That really? I know. I, I got fucking, I got ripped off. I got ripped off. What are you going to do? Um, so, so we went so to you're do making a show. Clink. And it's American clink. Yes. And we're living in paying? LA. Was the Are you paying taxes back here like you're supposed to? No, because you were living in the states. We didn't have any property so, anything back here. You were still table. a citizen. You were, you got to pay federal tax here still. You hey, I followed pay all the rules. Care. I'm not a tax dodger. Yeah. yeah okay. Okay. <laughs> you were a really LA off dodger. Topic here. <laughs> Gee, she's got the Canadian okay. revenue coming after me. Hey, you lived in the states. Yeah. I actually checked with my account. They're like, no, I'm you're curious. living there. Okay. All right. So you go to LA. <laughs> Oh, God. Like, okay, you don't pay your taxes. And then. <laughs> um, and we were put on. We're a trying show. to get him arrested. Yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. We were put on a show that was hosted by Carissa Thompson. <laughs> she is still at Fox. She's the only remaining one. Um, Andy Roddick was on the show. Gabe Kapler, who's now the manager of the San Francisco Giants. Yep. Uh, we Red, had Sox, Ephraim, former Red Sox. Um, Gary Payton. Donovan McNabb. Gary Payton. And then Jay and I. So these guys, they would debate uh, topics and then they'd throw to us for highlights. And it was a three hour show every night and it just didn't work. And plus it was a brand new station. You try make your mark when there's 2000 other stations. No one's ever going to stumble upon your show. So three hours you, did, a you night. probably did a lot less hockey too, right? Oh like, my God. Oh, we tried to get hockey yeah. into the show every single really night. Like, and they're sorry. like, nah, the stuff we would lead with on our show wouldn't even make the highlight show here in Canada. Like we'd lead with yeah, college football. Like a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was completely different considering we're adjoining countries. The appetite for sports is nothing like it is here in Canada with regards to hockey. Like yeah. we had guys working on our crew who had never watched a, a single second hockey of a hockey game. game. And they, so how do you sports. two, how did you two, like, how long did it take you two to look at each other and say, what the fuck did we do here? Yeah. The, the first show. What are we show? doing? <laughs> the first yeah, show. Right? <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And, so and did you have a lobby year, to change that? Oh, yes. All? Every did single you, night. Yeah. The show was different every night because there's like 20 different producers. So after the first year, it got pared down. Some people left. And then by the final year, Jay and I were in a literal closet just doing the show, the two of us. 
And we were the last ones remaining from that show. Everyone else's contracts were up. Carissa was the only one uh, still left now to this day. So they just waited for our contracts to run out. And then that's where they switched to debate. That's where, because a new um, regime came in. So they brought in Skip Bayless, Colin Coward, and all that stuff. Uh, so there was no need for a highlight show anymore. So we were. So you hate, you hate Fox. You hate Fox Sports, and you don't pay your taxes. So what else? <laughs> wait, wait. Correction on both. I love Fox yeah. Sports, an <laughs> no, amazing company to work with, because the amount they spend on TV in America compared to Canada is night and day. There was a twenty-person wardrobe department. Wow. There's no such thing in Canada. There was a twenty-person. So they dress department. you up every night. They dress you every Knuckles. night. We or... would show up, and in our dressing room. Your suit would be hung up, freshly pressed with your shirt, your tie, your belt, the belt in the pants. A new one every night? A new one every night? Well, they, whatever was in there, they, we were, uh, a different... like you didn't get dressed at home. You could no. come in in t shirt. You Make could come it. in in t shirt and shorts. I would come in in t shirt and shorts. Yeah. They would make <laughs> wow. fun of us wow. because Jay and I would be t shirt and shorts year round, and we're from Canada, yeah. so it'd be like, 65 degrees people are in sweaters and stuff and we're like this is amazing guys we're in flip-flops uh so we had catering we had meals every night unheard of in canada we had a stage crew that was 20 people in canada you have one camera person you have like it's just night and day uh it's also what uh 280 million more people in america so that might tell you a little something. And Fox is just a massive conglomerate with regards to what they spend on rights and stuff. So anyway, Fox is great. I pay my taxes. <laughs> there was no need to pay taxes when I didn't yeah. have property in Canada, Knuckles. I wasn't take. I didn't have OHIP you anymore. You love your kids. You love your kids. So. Did so you pay you your guys, taxes? <laughs> so you guys. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, the two two little Canadian boys from fucking farmland. Yeah, start licking their wounds and they go back over the border. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Our contract was coming up. TSN flew down and they made us uh, an amazing pitch. An offer you couldn't refuse. They all it takes for you to get your name on a show in Canada is for you to leave Canada for four years. And then they say, okay, we're going to put your name on the show. Uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to build a whole set for you. We're going to build a studio. Uh, how do you like that? And we said, uh, well, let us mull over the other offers we've got. We had no other offers. Did you yeah. walk in the first day and say, where's my suit? Were you like cocky? <laughs> no, we, we knew what it was like. Um, but also yeah. the first, so we did like two rehearsals when we got back to Canada and after the first rehearsal back in Canada, Jay turns to me and says, uh, that felt better than four years of shows we just did. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. 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 I get back home. I mean, yeah. it's not like being and back we home, weren't, right? we and... had no producers telling us what to do. We had no other people to work with. We still say to this day, if we had airdropped our show from Canada into the States, changed some highlights here and there, it would have worked way better instead of what we tried to put on the air in, in the States. Well, because yeah, we were only was... a, a three-minute segment of a three-hour show. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Well, so you come back, Fox, everybody, um, I'm sure, was happy. I know when you guys come back, and I'm, I have moved back here, it was great to see you two back on the TV together. And I, every morning I got up, every morning got up, 
and I watch those highlights because I was I know, doing my radio show. Message, you send us direct at messages. At the time, TSN. And, and you know, I watch. I was faithful watcher of your show, you and Jay. I loved it. I loved the the back and forth, everything about it. And we're going to fast forward now. Can I just say, our last four years of shows, when we were returned to Canada, having already done shows in Canada, then with the experience of doing shows in the States, Jay and I, we agree 1,000% that our last four years of shows were the greatest shows we ever put on. We were in tears at least twice a week because of something that happened on the show. And I would put those shows up against anything on TV right now. Those last four years shows, four years of shows. Yeah. You guys were awesome. You were awesome. And, um, here I am working on TSN here in Montreal on the radio and all the buzz started coming around, um, that bell, uh, TSN are going to make some cuts. Mm-hmm. And we saw uh, the radio in Vancouver, Winnipeg, uh, Calgary. They didn't even tell the people in Vancouver. They just yeah, like. Yeah. They just. So they made all these cuts. And here in Montreal, I, you know, there was a buzz going on because they were worried that here we are, the one English sports station. Uh, you know, are we going to get the whack? Boom. See you later. But it never happened. And then. Um, you know, I'm watching you guys, and, um, and I'm going to go there because I got to go there. And, you know, I you were always clean-shaven, clean-cut, looking good, except for Movember. You would do your Correct. mustache. Mm-hmm. Then I see the beard. Then I see, and listen, being handsome is part of why you get hired. You're good at what you do. You, you, you got a good stick, all that stuff. But you're a good-looking guy. You look like shit. <laughs> okay, back in um, in twenty uh, twenty one, and yeah, I I thought the know, stubble was, was hiding what I was. There were to. yeah, the stubble wasn't. It wasn't helping, and and you were looking rough. Yeah, and you were. I, I'm there. Geez, something going on here with Dan. I don't know what it is, but I got an idea of what it might be, and then uh, all of a sudden February comes around and. You're not the only guy cut, but there were other people cutting TSN across the board. From producer TV. Tim, who's working on my podcast now, yeah. he was let go. Natasha Stamshevsky, she was yeah. let go as Natasha. well. Brent Wallace, who was the Ottawa reporter for the Senators. But for me, the craziest thing was how the hell can they split this duo up? That was so. My name so was on years. the fucking show. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Like I could not fucking believe that they're gonna split this the the chemistry everything that you two had together up and then you know i don't know i was just but honestly, can we go back out. to the way i, I looked out. go ahead go because ahead. Of, yeah let's go back i want to hear it from you the situation we're yeah. all in now i have hungover slash um dealing with substance abuse issues radar now like I am, I can tell a person from a hundred feet yeah, away. I'm like, oh fuck, that guy's hungover. Oh, that guy's oh. coming off a bender. You're judging everybody now. Yeah, huh? yeah. That, no, I'm not judging. judging. <laughs> I just know what they're going no, through I because know. I've walked that that path. So it's yeah. amazing how you can see it now 
when you're in it, you're <laughs> thinking no one could tell. No one could oh, tell. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like it, that was awesome, yeah. though, what I just read with uh, the pictures the before you had the two years. Oh, I, my I just, God. That I was, was just that was really cool. That was, I was really uh, cool. fat, face, bloated, sweaty. And did you guys ever go through this when you, in your drinking days? Um, you'd wake up and your face would be all dry and you're like, oh, maybe I'm allergic to vodka. Maybe if I just don't drink vodka or maybe it's the the facial moisturizer I'm using. Maybe I need to switch it up. No, it's all the fucking booze, you dummy. It's not the drinking. It's what I'm drinking. (laughs) So so you're looking rough. Now, before they let you go. Yeah. And and let's maybe Tim can kind of get a a bit of an idea of this because he's not. I pay my taxes if that's what you're going to ask me. I'm sure you do. I'm sure you do. But when you two guys taped that show, you taped the show at 12 o'clock at night, right? Am I right or wrong? 12? So they go on air at 12 and they tape it and then they run it on the loop, okay? Mm -hmm. But so you tape it, it takes you, what, an hour? You get in there at at, at 11 o'clock? I get in there around 9.30. 9.30. You got in at 9.30, get ready for the show, boom, you do it, you tape it. You're out of there. Now that's your after work hour, one oh, o'clock, yeah. one thirty, two o'clock. So would you go right home? Would you have a few to relax? What what I go how did right this home? all spin out of control? Well, the journey out of control actually started in LA. And, and listen, if you don't want to go here, fine. But no, you've I'm been, fine talking to you. You've been yeah. you've been open about this, and I don't want to make you no, go somewhere I'm you don't want. Very open about okay. uh, my right. journey, and it started in LA. Actually, is where I started to get out of control because that's where Blame my it on wife the at the time. Blame it on the yeah. states. Money. <laughs> Well, blaming it on the U.S. It's funny. Keep blaming it on the U.S. Okay, so blame I, it on Biden. What, blame it on Biden. <laughs> when I first moved there, and I was still married, I'd go to the grocery store and I'd come back with like handles of booze, and my wife was like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "It's so cheap." So, so the booze is really so cheap. buy more. And there was a Bevmo right next to me. That's if people that don't know it. Um, it's buy one bottle of wine. The second bottle is five cents. I'm like, uh, is this Wonderland? Is this uh Disneyland for adults? So what was I, it? Red got, Ripple? Uh, I got, I got Valley high. What, what kind of wine was it? The second it was any was kind cents. you wanted. It was a bo- boxed Shit. wine. No, it's like wow. good wine. Really? Wow. Wow. Um, so I, my wife and I became separated when we were, Uh, living there. And for the last year um, of my contract, she moved back to Canada with the kids. So I'd fly back every second weekend. So I went from someone, okay, you're really going to have another drink to I've got no guardrails. So I'm like, Oh my God, I can, I can go into all hours and no one's going to give me trouble. Got into a relationship where the person I was in the, again, I'm not blaming the relationship. I got into a relationship that um, went in line with what I wanted, which was full green lights. It was never, maybe we should, uh, cut it off here to, uh, no, let's order another couple bottles of wine. Rip it, rip it. Yeah. So I got into that and carried that back to Canada. So, uh, to answer your question, when I'd get done work, uh, the kids would be asleep when they were here. And if they weren't, then, um, crack a bottle of wine, have a couple of joints. Well, that bottle's of wine's done, so I'm going to have a, a couple of old fashions. 
stagger up to bed, repeat the process yeah. on the weekends without the kids. Well, just what time would you get to bed? Four? Four or five. Well, always, always hung over. Sleep, sleep all day. Uh, take the kids to school, then come home and yeah. sleep. And if I didn't have the kids, yeah, just sleep all day. And then on the weekends, okay, uh, we had Friday, Saturdays off. So wake up. Okay, it's screwdriver time. Um, and then just uh, rip it up. So yeah. got out of control. Um, and I remember actually one weekend in which I was on the phone with someone because you're always making phone calls. I now look back. I'm like, yeah, the, those drunk phone calls. You always think, oh, this person's <laughs> going to enjoy this. No, they don't. <laughs> what a conversation. Yeah, I, got yeah. some, I got some really important things. <laughs> so I, I always would keep the party going. So one night I'm here at the house and I call a friend and, um, and I'm doing whatever. And I hear the music playing in the kitchen. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go see if, uh, I'm going to go see if anyone's still here. And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, I was going to see if the party's still going in the kitchen. They're like, you're home alone. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> oh boy. I think that's where I'm like, I think I've got a problem. But then I still would would uh, negate those thoughts with more alcohol and more weed. So, yeah, that's yeah. that's where I started to realize, okay, maybe this is getting out of control. And where I really hit my my spot in which I said, okay, I need help was I get laid off from, from my work from bell on a Wednesday of super bowl week. So the kids get picked up uh, regular time on a Friday. And I'm like, of course, when you're an alcoholic, you have every reason Did to you celebrate say laid off. I, I'm supposed, suppose I was fired. laid off, not fired. fired. You got fucking okay. fired. Yeah, uh, business decision. You got fucking fired. I got fired. Right. So, um, right. when you're an alcoholic, you have every reason to to drink. If it's a, a celebration, yeah. if you it's yeah. a, if it's a death in the family, if it's losing your job. So I'm like, holy shit, this is my Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So I dialed it up uh, tenfold, and um, people arrived at my house Friday night. And I'm like, oh, they're here to party. But now I know, in looking at it from a distance, they were here to make sure I stayed alive. They weren't here to party with me and they would like they one person would leave. Another person would come back. I'm like, oh, look at this. Look at this. They're here to party. Jay showed up on the Saturday. He's like, I'm coming out to see. I'm like, all right. (laughs) So he sat around. We shot the shit. Um, And then on Sunday was a Super Bowl party at my friend's house. And I turned it up a notch there at one point. You mentioned my before and after picture. I have a cut on my head because I lost the fight with gravity, fell, hit my head on their fridge. And he's, he says, yeah, we saw so, you falling. We saw it happen. And we couldn't get there in time. So, so I woke so, up. I woke up in his house with the cut on my head, staring at the prospect of, okay, I've worked for 22 years nights. So all of a sudden I'm going to have nights in which work isn't going to get in the way of my drinking. So it's going to be, um, clear path to just drink and smoke weed all day. I'm like, this is not going to end well. So I literally woke up that day on uh, the Monday after Super Bowl and said, I need help. So, which was awesome. Great decision. Um, and, and certainly applaud you for that. But when you're going through this and you're going in there every night and you and Jay are so freaking close, you know each other, like 
What is Jay saying to you? Was he saying, Dan, fucking get get this, get your shit together? What's going well, on I, here? Well, did, like a good he, alcoholic, uh, I hit it well. Yeah, but I'm just wondering, yeah. did he try and? Yeah. He, or you thought sure he did. tried to help you? I just want to know how how did that go? Had I shown up like bombed, like I never showed up drunk to work, so he would have said something. But I hit it well, and he probably played it right. Like no one at any point of this said, "Dan, you need help," because. I would have said, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to dial well, don't it up. Don't you think uh, people were in there talking like yeah. management and stuff saying, look at uh, like, come on. I fucking saw you on the thing. Like, you could I don't know. You'd the... have to ask them, but yeah, I, yeah, but you, I'm you just know curious. how it is. Like yeah. you, you, they probably did say something, but you didn't fucking hear it. Yeah. You know, exactly. it's like when no you, when you ask for help, you probably were like so embarrassed, but everyone's like, it's about time. Well, you that's know? the like, funny yeah. thing. Steve. You know, so like, on my way into rehab, I called so many friends and family. I'm like, hey, I'm going to rehab. Not a single one of them said, really? They're all like, good. <laughs> I'm like, you well, fucking assholes. Yeah, yeah. Like, Why didn't anyone tell me? <laughs> well, isn't it, isn't it nice to be able to sit here and have a laugh about it now? But for you, Knuckles, to- I thought I thought I would never speak of rehab. I thought I would I would take that to my grave because it was well, a join, source join, of shame. Join the club. Join the yeah. club. I mean, come on, you know, you know, the deal after you got in there. And so you do that. Now you're um, on my birthday, February 9th, you're two years sober this past February. And I got to tell you, I saw you when you come in and I see it today in such a big change. I couldn't be more happy for you or proud of you. That's just awesome. Well, Knuckles, you are a big part of your life because I would call you and you and I'd be in Mm -hmm. an even better mood than I am right now. And you're like, ah, pink cloud. And. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. Just hold you accountable. <laughs> and I would say, am I not allowed to be happy, Knuckles? Yeah, yeah fucking pink too cloud. Pink, pink, pink cloud. <laughs> but it was great. Am I supposed like, to be? Am I supposed to be feeling this good? Yeah, yeah. Like, but it was yeah, great. Don't worry, it'll go away. It'll go away. <laughs> yeah. So, don't worry. It's gonna be like chewing on fucking glass pretty yeah. soon. <laughs> yeah. So you were great because you kept everything in check. You. It was what? Yeah, don't don't get too high, don't get too low. Just try to keep it uh-huh. right in the middle. Even kill. But still, knuckles. I still, I still go back and say I still like being really happy at times. And if it's yeah. a pink cloud, if it's a purple cloud, I don't, I want to own that cloud. It's a fun cloud. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Not, nothing wrong with that at all, at all. Okay. Uh, good. No, it is awesome, Dan. It's awesome. I I think it's just you can just tell like you're in a good place and. For me, that that makes me really happy. Thanks, buddy. And I actually got a great compliment because I get uh, listeners to send in emails. And someone said, Dan, I think you're way more entertaining now than you were working on TV. And I'm like, wow, that's a great compliment. Thank you very much. Ah, you so. can do your own thing, right? You can do your own thing here. You got nobody telling you what to do. And you there's yeah, no. You, you gotta... think you think like you're. You think so much is going to change, though, right? Like you think like oh, I can't be who I was if I take alcohol out of my life, right? Stapes, like... I thought I was going to lose yeah. all my friends. I thought I wasn't <laughs> going to have fun anymore. And now yeah. I look back and I'm like, I want to correct where I said, "Am I going to have fun anymore?" To what was fun about it? Yep. Yeah. But the reason I think. I've become a better broadcaster is because, well, you guys know this. You aren't walking around with any shame. You aren't walking around like, yeah, Oh yeah. shit, there's Joe. I saw him two weeks ago at a party. What the fuck did I say? Yeah. You've got none of that going on in your head. 
or in your life. So you walk around with so much more confidence. That's what I find. Yeah, uh, yeah. You're not walking around like, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. But really inside, you're just like, I just want to. <laughs> Oh, it's you're thinking, like, I'm doing you know, great. Okay, what time yeah. is it? When am I going to have my first white claw? Oh, fuck, yeah. I'd be having my first white claw right now. It's 2 o'clock. Yeah. So that's you, the, old, you, the shackles are off. Yep. That's the yep. old giving up everything for one thing and getting sober, giving up one thing for everything. Exactly, Knuckles. And, and that's what you've done. And, and you carry the message and you use words if you have to. Yes. And, and, and the biggest thing I tell people, and you guys will probably agree with this. If you're going through shit and you're, if you're thinking about doing this, pick up the phone. Cause yeah. as an alcoholic, you're always alone dealing with your own shit and okay, well, booze is going to help this. No, no, what helps things picking up the phone and talking to someone. Then you get your mind off that, that loop and you discover maybe you aren't so crazy because your thoughts aren't as insane as you think they are because other people have gone through those same things. So you get out of your own head by picking up the phone. That's what I've found is the biggest thing that has helped me is reaching out to people because you realize you aren't insane. Exactly. The moment. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, you don't uh, like, I had some fun times drink, you know, yep. don't get me wrong. There was a lot of fun times. So like, I'm all, Hey, if you want to go do your thing, do your thing. I don't, you know, I'm just, I just, I'm just not doing it. Yeah. And I think that's a big thing too. It's like, I'm not out here, you know, my story's not here to judge you. Right. Exactly. hundred like percent. I have no know. problem. All like uh, buddies that grew up, they're all drinkers and stuff. I still join them yeah. on the golf course, join them at parties. But while they're figuring out what couch to sleep on and we're in our forties, I know I'm going to sleep in my own bed yeah, and it's so great. And you're, yeah. You're not headbutting a fridge anymore. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're trying to figure out who you're going to save from falling. You know, yes, out of exactly. that, that crew. And then maybe and, someone comes up to you like, hey, you think I got a problem? Yeah. Like, I don't oh, so know, many man. people, they, yeah. they think like, you found like a new, they think you joined yeah. like Scientology. They're like, so, yeah. Uh, yeah. so what's it yeah. like? I'm like, uh, no hangovers, yeah. uh, no guilt, no yeah. remorse. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah. I don't, I don't wake up thinking what I do last night. Oh, oh checking things. your phone. Again, oh, fuck. Who did oh, I text? God. And for those uh, who don't know out there, the three of us have that in common with um, the three of us are sober men. And it's so awesome to be sitting here. And I'm sure because I thought the same thing. And I know Tim did that when I was faced with the prospect of going to treatment and trying and getting help, um, you know, I was so down and out that one of the big things is I thought I was never going to be able to have fun again. Yep. And you said it earlier. I'm now never be able to have fun again. I can't go to this thing and have fun. And listen, it took me a while because I always, listen, I knew I had a drug problem and I did majorly, but I always said, you know what? I was a good drinker. I could drink. I was fine drinking. And it's funny when I went to treatment the first time and it took me twice, um, I would always identify when I come in, I'm Chris, I'm a um, drug addict. And I would never say I was an alcoholic. And Ed, my my therapist, when I first come in, in group therapy, he grabbed me one day. He said, how come you don't identify as an alcoholic? You just identify as a drug addict. I said, because there's the drugs that got me. Alcohol, I was fine with. He said, oh, we got, you got to take a look at that. Now go read the book. And he said, really, identify, don't compare. 
and really get honest with yourself, will you? Get honest with yourself. And and I remember going back and reading it, and I started to do that. And he helped me realize that, yeah, you know, I'm not just a drug addict. I was an alcoholic, too. And, you know, the disease of addiction just, um, I mean, it touches everybody, touches all of us. And it's awesome to be able to, like you said, pick up the phone. But mm-hmm. when we're out there, I remember when I was out there, it was like, I was so messed up. I didn't know. Like, who am I going to call? I'm going to call someone and say, hey, listen, by the way, I'm pretty fucked up here. Could you help me? Like, I just didn't have that in me. I couldn't do it. I mm-hmm. wasn't, gonna, you know, until uh, somebody uh, brought something to my attention and, and, you know, made a suggestion to me. And I ended up meeting with somebody from the NHL. And that was Dan Cronin, um, Tim. And, and, you know, that got me started. Yeah. Dan Cronin got me started. He got my attention, got me started. And, and, you know, that's where I am today. So yeah, it, it, it's not easy to pick up the phone today. It is. Well, yeah. I if I have an too, issue, I was going to say that, like, right. I used to not trust you if you didn't drink. Right. <laughs> yeah. To like, to like thinking like, who am I going to hang out with? Like who doesn't drink? Like, who am I going to mm-hmm. hang out with? To like, now it's like, no one gives a fuck if you drink. No. And right? it's actually like, no a cool. One, right? It's, and that takes very... a lot of time. That takes time. It takes, you know, but it, but it, it's, that's the reality. Sorry. Go ahead, Dan. It's a very in thing not to drink now as sobriety is like, uh, is trending as they might say. Yeah. Uh, speaking of trust, um, it's funny. You mentioned that even in my first like month of sobriety, I still thought people, I was so in my own head that people would send me their number, say, Hey, this is so-and-so. If you ever need it, I'm like, Oh, they <laughs> probably reporter. just, they want to like out me or something that I'm, a, I'm yeah. not, I look back and I'm like friends with those people now, very good friends. And I'm like, why did I ever think this person yeah. wanted to take something from me or expose me in any way? when? It is such a foreign concept. Someone just reaching out and wanting the best for you because for so many years, you just want people to take, 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 or that was in your head when really people just want you to succeed at sobriety. Yeah. And you got to, I mean, what the other thing too is like, it's not like these things, these things still happen once in a while, like the old habits, like the old thought process, right? Like I need to continuously you know, remind myself or talk to you guys or just remind myself that like, Hey, like, fuck, you know, I, I'm and everything just doesn't magically go away, but no, it, it really helped me. And I was big into golf when I was like a junior member, I got a membership when I first got into sobriety. And now I, I'm like you, Staves. I'm transfixed by golf, and I find it the you're greatest a pro. Game. You're a pro now. You're a fucking pro. No, okay. not at all. I'm I'm, I'm a twelve point nine, twelve point nine <laughs> handicap, which Point-9? I was an eighteen. I was an eighteen. Wow. You brought it down? Wow. But I find is it is people always say to me, Oh, don't you don't you miss drinking on the course? I'm like, no, it is the greatest sober sport in the history of the world. Yeah. Great swing for oil. Your mental Let's health. Some swing oil. Swing oil. Remember yeah. the old swing oil. I just I don't know find, like Yeah, I don't know if I could play a guy that doesn't play his taxes. <laughs> I I just find it, don't you guys agree it is the greatest it's game awesome. for your mental yeah. health? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I don't know about that. I mean, it can both good and bad. <laughs> yes. But <laughs> yeah. you also I'm at the stage where I'm I'm 47 and if I have a bad round, guess who cares about it? No one on no earth. One. Oh yeah. No one. No Except one. the guy you're playing with. Yeah. 
and he lo- just lost a hundred bucks. Yeah, you know? yeah. You know, yeah. I come home just yelling at my wife. She's like, "Oh, you must have, <laughs> you must have had a bad round of golf." <laughs> you know, I'm like, "Oh yeah." Hey guys, uh, um, I gotta go pick up the kids from school. Bullshit! What? This was like we, a we don't do that show. here. You what make you a commitment, about? you stick to it. Yeah, <laughs> we, we've been an hour fifteen. I thought we'd it's be done. Been awesome. hey, it's been plenty. It's been. Hey, awesome. send an Uber. No. <laughs> well, I'm in the middle listen, of the country. I don't know if we have Ubers out here. Listen, we're doing this again. Um, for sure. Hey, guess what? And guess what we're gonna do? Uh, I've got it all laid out. And here's the other thing: you can actually be a better father than you could ever imagine. I've got everything laid out on the counter right now. We're making homemade salsa when we get home from school. Oh, you, 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 listen, wow. nobody, nobody touches knuckle salsa. It's unbelievable. Can you send it, it to me, please? Salsa. I'm serious. I, 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 I will send it to you. Yeah, I'm I telling you, you will absolutely salsa. love it.